Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thirteen's Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela, and I'm Jen. And today we have a very special guest joining us today. Everyone, welcome Dalton from Dealing with Dalton. Dalton's Hi, everybody! Here. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Yeah, we are so excited to have you here, Dalton. We cannot wait to dive into Dalton's story, how he niched down to being a shoe seller, how his journeys evolved over time, how he balances all the things of being a full-time reseller and content creator. And of course, we're going to talk about his newly launched product. Yes, love it. We'll see you at the love table. <laughs> we are so excited to have you here. Number one, I've been following you for like, I don't know, over a year, maybe, maybe longer mm-hmm. than that. I don't know. Um, but I think I fell upon your account from watching Joey and watching Drew. And then I was like, oh, Dalton seems like a cool guy. I'm gonna watch Dalton too. And 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 I just, it's been really fun to see you evolve over the last year. Cause I feel like all of us as resellers have evolved a lot in the mm-hmm. last couple of years, right? There's been so many things happening. Right. Um, but I wanna give the floor to you and have you just kind of tell everyone who you are, how you got into reselling, what your life looked like before reselling and all that fun stuff. Of course. All right. So my name's Dalton. Um, if anybody doesn't know who I am, I go by dealing with Dalton on YouTube and Instagram. Um, how I got into reselling and before reselling. Basically, I grew up in a, a small town in Kansas, Coffeeville, Kansas. Uh, my parents were um, entrepreneurs. My dad owns a restaurant along with my mother. Uh, so growing up in a family-owned business, you kind of get thrown into that at a very young age. And it is all I knew until... I want to say like 17, 18, I graduated high school at 17 and I never really loved the small town life. So I conned a couple of my friends to uh, move into, move down to Orlando, Florida with me and um, to just to get me out of the town. And they lasted about three months. So I, it, it was a, it was a hard year when I first got down here because I had all these um, ambitions. I didn't want to be in the restaurant industry because that was like my dad's thing. Yeah, um, right. I was like, I, I want to find a sales job. You know, I thought when I was 18, I thought a sales job would be the coolest thing in the world. I sold uh, marketing for some like social media company, I sold windshields and was, I wouldn't say I was bad at it. It was just, I hated it. And because yeah. it was like, door-to-door cold calls and it's just oh yeah the worst. Tough. those are tough jobs yeah mm-hmm. they're they suck and um I eventually migrated back into the restaurant industry and fell into the uh comfort trap for a couple years mm-hmm. and was working everywhere from uh hostess to the kitchen to server bartender I kind of found my spot as a uh, server and bartender um the longest, the job I had before I started reselling was at uh, Rosen Hotels, a restaurant inside of one of the hotel chains. And I was lucky enough to be paired with, I guess, another server that had like a similar mindset as me. And he just one day, like we weren't close friends yet. His name's Carlos. Um, He, we were about to end our shift and he's like telling me he's about to go to Ross and flip football cleats. And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? How are you going to go? how are you going to go to Ross and buy some football cleats and make money <laughs> off of them? Uh, long story short, we didn't make any money on football cleats, but it, it sparked something. And we started going down that YouTube rabbit hole. We stumbled across uh, probably rally roots first, and they were really heavy into garage sales at the time. And so we're like, let's start garage selling. And so we dive into going to garage sales every single weekend. 
listing the stuff on eBay. We're making a little bit of money. And it got to the point where like the garage sales like prioritized my life. Like I, I remember one day it was a Saturday morning and it was probably 12:30 PM. And I get a phone call from one of my coworkers and I like, dude, you okay? And like, it was, it was weird. Cause it's not one of the guys that would call me and like, just ask if I was okay. Mm. So it's like, yeah, I'm fine. What's up? And he's like, bro, you were scheduled to work at 1045. <laughs> I was like, oops. Um, <laughs> I guess I'll be there in a couple hours. <laughs> so oh, no. <laughs> obviously my, uh, my mindset shifted away from the, uh, the restaurant industry. I, yeah. And um, I ended up falling out of that job and was like, might as well try going full-time at this time, uh, me and Carlos had, uh, kind of split ways. We realized it was kind of hard, like splitting profits on mm-hmm. garage sale, eBay sales. Um, <laughs> so, so we started uh, doing our own things and I was like, I'm just going to go try this reselling thing full-time. And I was selling everything. We had barely dipped our toes into uh, thrift stores. So like pretty much everything was garage sales. Like this was back when yard sale treasure map was a thing. So, oh yeah, yeah, every- yeah. Every I love day. yard sale treasure map. That thing I, I know. Like amazing. sometimes, yeah. I sometimes I just want to go uh, garage selling again. Uh, just looking for stuff. Like garage selling is so much fun, and having that app, it was just like you could hit forty-five in a day. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, yes, and you can, and you just can like I don't know, like the treasure hunting is on a different level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, I, that app was amazing. I wish they'd bring it back. Um, but again, we just, we had just dipped our toes into the thrift store scene. And obviously I was just selling everything. My closet, my bedroom was a mess. I had two roommates at the time. So it wasn't like I had a whole house to myself. Mm. And, um, I was full-time doing that for, um, probably two months, three months tops. And I had no bookkeeping. I had nothing. I had no idea what money was coming in, what kind of money was coming out. It's a huge difference between having a job whenever you got that paycheck coming in and you don't have to buy inventory to get your next Uh paycheck. Right. So, um, I quickly realized that it wasn't working. So I was like, I'm just going to go get a part-time serving job and figure it out. And so I went and got a part-time serving job at Bahama breeze and worked about 20 hours a week there and really tried to figure out why the reselling didn't work. And it pretty much came down to a budget Mm -hmm. and I didn't, I didn't budget the inventory spending on top of my bills every single week. So like I, at the time I just broke everything down. Like, this is how much money I need to make every week to exist. And I factored in, um, how much money I needed for inventory. And Mm -hmm. this is when I realized that, cause at the time, uh, shoes were probably one of the best selling things that I picked up, but obviously didn't have my full focus. I was only picking up like the, the stuff that everybody knows about, like Nike Air Max, the Hoka's, the, the Brooks, like basic stuff. I had no deep knowledge on shoes. I just knew that they were selling the best for me. And I realized that if I pick up just shoes, I can get it down to basically a science. I can say my average cost per pair is this much. My average profit is this much. And if that's the case, I need to pick up this many per week so I can list this many and profit this many per week. And then I'll have a idea of how much money is coming in each week. And that I... Once I started doing that, I probably was serving for four months at that part-time job, maybe five, and mm-hmm. I figured it out and quit and have been full-time since. Wow. What that, a good story. That's such a good story. <laughs> such oh a my good gosh. story. It's like you literally just started 
with like this huge vision of reselling. Right. Mm -hmm. And and it was just like, you had to like really just start tailoring it down Mm -hmm. smaller and smaller. And then you're realizing where are the gaps? What am I missing? What do I need to start focusing on? And like you said, that's where it's like the light bulb clicks, like, okay, I need to actually start looking at this as a real business, right? Like, Mm -hmm. what does this look like money-wise, on paper, Mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff. So that's super, that's a super cool story, Dalton. Thank you for sharing that. that. I think so many people that want to go full-time or in the process of going full-time forget, just like what you said, like, how much money do I actually need? Not only to sustain my daily living, but like, I got to buy inventory to keep Mm -hmm. the business going. I think Mm -hmm. that's one of the most crucial things within our community that I don't think gets stressed as much as it probably should is there is so much accounting and back office type work that you really need to focus on to grow and sustain your business and be able to live off of the income that you're getting and pay taxes. And there's so much that goes into it. And coming from an entrepreneur background, I think it clicked a little sooner for you than for others. I come mm-hmm. from an entrepreneur background. My dad um, owned a, he was a mechanic. So he owned his own business mm-hmm. and they had a rental property and they rented mm-hmm. other bays out. So like I grew up with that. So for me, re- like I, entrepreneurship has always been in my blood, just mm-hmm. like you. And yeah. it's like certain things I think click faster for yeah. us because we've seen it. And other people that have never seen it don't necessarily know well, which direction do I need to go in to really make this sustain? It's not the amount of inventory that you're getting necessarily. It's it's all the other stuff too. Yeah. And to touch on the, that entrepreneurial mindset that um, you say we have, I that's 100% true. Like, I think most people that are getting into reselling aren't getting into it for the entrepreneurial aspect of it. They're getting into it to the, for the treasure hunt aspect of it. Yes. And I, when you, when you come with an entrepreneurial mindset, like I don't, I wouldn't say I love selling. I, I love what I do. Don't get me wrong, but I don't, I wouldn't say that every single day I wake up and I can't wait to clean and list some shoes, Correct. <laughs> but, but every single day I wake up and thank God that I can do this every single day. So yeah. it's, it's not, it's not about um, the treasure hunt for me. That's why it's so easy for me to niche down. Like I don't, I don't care about finding a $200 VHS. I'd rather find sustainable inventory every single week that will pay my yeah. bills and give me freedom. And that's the difference Mm -hmm. between, I don't want to say casual seller, because there are some people that are very serious that, that do all the things because that's Mm -hmm. just the business that they've created. But what you've said is like hits the nail right on it, where in order to pay the bills, you figured out that if I niche and I know exactly how many pairs of shoes I need, and I know I can acquire this amount of shoes every single day, week, whatever it is, month, I know I'm going to hit that quota mm-hmm. that I need for myself. You yep. can't do that when you're an everything seller. It's no. very difficult. Yep. So you can do it, but it's a lot harder and it gets a lot more. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it, it, it's a lot harder. And like, I think what people don't realize too, like I'm sure with you, when you go into a thrift store, a garage mm-hmm. sale or wherever it is that you're looking for inventory, since you've mm-hmm. niched yourself so much more, you spend less time sourcing even yeah. because yep. you're just like, I know where I need to go, where in somebody who's like an everything seller, right? That you have to hit up the whole thrift store and one sourcing mm-hmm. trip for one store could be two, three hours. You oh, know, yeah. I mean, we've all done it. We've all been a thrift store mm-hmm. for like three hours, you know, like, mm-hmm. and it, you can get lost in that. And then you're like, where did the day go? And I only ended up finding like 10 things worth picking up, you know, and I spent yeah. all this time and now it's like, I need to try to go like three or four more stores, but the day is over, you know? Yeah. And I, I made a, a reel or a video or something on pretty much the exact topic. And the way that I look at it is if, if I'm on average getting 10 pairs just to make it 
easy for math. If I get yeah. 10 pairs on average for every store that I hit, every time I open the thrift store doors, I profit $200 because I get $20 in profit per pair on average that's, that I sell. So I want to <laughs> open as many doors as I can in love a single that. day. I love so that. I wanna... When I open the door, this is how much yeah. I make. Yeah. So I, I need to get in and get out as fast as possible and not dilly dally and just hope. Because when you look at it like that and you're opening... 10 thrift store doors every single day. Mm -hmm. It's much harder for all 10 of those thrift stores to be a bust. If you go in and you spend three hours at one thrift store, it's, it's likely that it could be a bust. You're putting all of your eggs in that one single basket. Yeah. Or you're making bad purchases because you're like, I spent this time here. Mm -hmm. I I need to pick something up. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's the worst feeling as you know, and, and I think as I've evolved as a seller and Jen, Jen used to be a full-time seller. She's mm-hmm. become more of a part-time seller, but um, I'm more of a hobby enthusiast now. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Love it. We yeah. all have different phases of our life, yep. right. And where we're, and where we're at, but um, I have noticed that even just in the last couple of years, I used to be that person where I'd get nervous if I didn't find something in a thrift store, like what, I have a full-time job. I work outside the home, but reselling to me has become money that I depend on to fuel Mm -hmm. whatever else it is that I need in my life. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I have found over time that I may not be niched into one category, but I've definitely niched myself into like two or three categories that I need to just go in with the purpose of just looking at those racks. And I got to walk out the door because I've Mm -hmm. fallen into that trap where I'm in there for three, four hours and I can't find anything. So I pick up one random brand that I think might sell Mm -hmm. for $15. Like, you know what I mean? Like what, it takes experience and it takes time to realize all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but as someone who does this, all right, I say I do this part-time, but in all honesty, you, it, you do it, you do it full-time. I mean, you full put time. in full-time. It's full-time. Yeah. I've like, always said I hate jobs. that part-time, yeah. full-time. No, it's like, that yeah. doesn't yeah. mean anything. It's about the hours YouTube. of work. I've got a podcast. I resell. I do. I have a, we have a Patreon group. Like I'm full-time when <laughs> it comes to it. reselling. Yeah. <laughs> But in terms of income, it's not quite full-time income for me. In income-wise, it's more of a, a part-time hustle. Gotcha. You know what I mean? So yep. maybe to other people, it'd be full-time income. But for me, it's 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 a part-time income. Mm-hmm. And um, I am in the stage of my reselling journey. And I was saying this to Jen before you came on. I was like, I can't wait to dive into this with Dalton. I'm in the stage where I think I want to niche down to like two categories. Like I want to mm-hmm. eliminate like blazers and I want to eliminate jeans and like Mm -hmm. things that I know will sell, but I kind of want to eliminate them from my life and just focus on shoes and dresses and coats. And like, that's really Mm -hmm. it because that's what I have the most joy finding. I can find a lot of it. Shoes. I've always loved shoes. I have Mm -hmm. so many shoes. The majority of my, my closet that I on on eBay or on Poshmark is shoes. That's the majority Mm -hmm. of what I sell. And my husband always says it to me, he goes, why don't you just sell shoes? And it's like, I have a hard time breaking away from like, all the other amazing things that I might find. Mm-hmm. And and I love that your mindset's like, well, how much do I need to make? Mm-hmm. This is what I have to do. I know I can get it by doing it this way. I just have to like break away from that mindset. Yeah, listen, I'm I'm in the exact same boat. Like it, that that never stops because you can yeah. always niche down further. Um, mm-hmm. Just the, in the past month or so, I've been telling myself that I don't much just need to be in the shoe niche. I need to be in the athletic shoe niche or thing in it because every time I pick up a pair of boots like this last week I picked up some I don't even know how to pronounce it Manolo Blocknik you know that was a good attempt I liked it (laughs) yeah I I know that they're worth money I know the brand but they were like some knee-high sock boots and it's just I my system isn't set up to photograph knee-high sock boots Mm -hmm. so I had to figure out like 
how do I take these pictures? And then when I went to list, I'm not listing a bunch of knee high sock boots. So I'm like, what keywords do I need to be using? Like yeah. how, like, what do I price? It slows this you down. It definitely yeah. slows you down. Yeah. yeah. So instead of spending the 10, 15 minutes on that one pair of shoe, I could have got four or five other pairs of shoes listed mm-hmm. in the same amount of time that were in my niche, even though shoes is my niche. You can, yeah. even, you can even get deeper yeah. than that. You know, that. that's a really good point, Dalton, because I mm. think that when you look at something like that and you're, you're like, you pick up these shoes, like, you know, they're a good brand, you know, that yep. there's something good. So then you pick them up and it's almost like you're on that high at the thrift store mm-hmm. of getting it. But then yep. like you bring it home and it's like, this is so much more work now yep. for me. Right. And like mm-hmm. you said, like, I'm not equipped to sell these. I don't know the keywords or what mm-hmm. if it looks funky that I have one pair of these shoes and then everything else in my closet is something totally I different. like a or, fraud basically. Yeah. yeah right. Or like <laughs> maybe I need to, like, I know for me, sometimes when it came to like designer stuff, sometimes I'd be like, do I need to send it somewhere else to get it authenticated? Do I need to, you know, and it's just like, and it starts adding all these layers and it's like yep. time and eats into your cost on things. So mm-hmm. I think your strategy of trying not to look at it so much as a treasure hunt and more as like pure profit is a yep. really smart way to look at reselling. Cause I think a lot of us don't. And I do think a lot of us get really caught up in that treasure hunt, you know, right. of just like, what can I find? Oh, I know this is good. This is good. And then you come home with all these things and you're just like, I don't know what to do with half the stuff. <laughs> Right. I have a question for you, Dalton. Would yeah. you consider or have you consigned stuff like that before? If you come across a designer luxury brand, would you be the type of person to say, okay, I'm going to send this off to fashion file. I'm going to send this to the real real. I'm going to send this, or I'm going to go to a consignment store that's local that does luxury. Like, is that something that you incorporate in your business? It's not, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. like putting it into somebody else's hands, gotcha. I guess. I, and first off, I don't, I don't find a lot of that kind of stuff. So yeah. it's not, this is not something that I'm constantly thinking about. Um, but on the few times that I found that stuff, I just, I just sell it myself. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's I, yeah. yeah. And with, with, um, I want to say, Merc- I don't sell a Mercari, but if I find something like that and you, you can just listen on Mercari and they'll authenticate it for you. Sometimes I'll do that and just like screenshot the authentication and mm-hmm. then list it on Poshmark. Smart. Yeah. Didn't even think about that. Cause I do do that for free. Yeah. yeah. Well, you still, it. It's still $10 if you want the certificate that you can yeah. screenshot, uh, but it's free if you're selling it on Mercari. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Gotcha. See, now I'm in the mindset of if I find a bunch of luxury designer shoes and yes, I could list them myself, but I know I can get more money on the real, real. I have no problem mm-hmm. sending in a box and being like, hi, have fun. Do this mm-hmm. for me. That's usually what I do as well. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah it's just interesting to hear other people's perspective on it. Yeah. Do you, this is, I don't even know really much about the real, I know how it works, but I don't know about the buyer base. Does you don't have problems selling things on there? It's usually pretty quick. No, it's, it's awesome. the, the hardest part I would say is just the returns. Okay. That's, you know, they do have, there's a pretty big window for returns. So sometimes mm-hmm. you'll be like, fingers crossed, hoping at the end of the month, you're going to get, you know, your money. And then yeah. sometimes they'll return it right at the end of the month. That's probably mm-hmm. the hardest part. And then obviously sometimes the, the commission structure, but I also don't have a problem with that because I'm literally, if I'm sell, if I'm buying really, really low, I'm sending it in there and not doing a thing. Right. Like I'm not even lifting a finger other than just shoving it in a box, right. you know? Right. I think a lot of resellers struggle with their pricing structure, but the thing that people have to remember is they have their own pricing structure based on their customer base and the market Mm -hmm. research that they do on their customers. So they know what certain Mm -hmm. brands will sell at over Mm -hmm. and over again. So yes, you may have a pair of Chanel's that are vintage and maybe they could sell for $300, but the real, real only price was 75 because that particular style 
isn't selling for a lot of money on their website. So a lot of that goes into it as well. And I think that's where a lot of people struggle with like setting things in. But like Jen said, if your buy cost Mm -hmm. is low and you can get over the fact that it's a luxury brand and that you're flipping it and you're making money without doing any work, Mm -hmm. those are like the pros and cons of it, but also takes time to like build up your commission structure to it, which is why I think a lot of sellers kind of stray from it because it can take time. Mm, Makes sense. Yeah. So maybe you should look into it. I don't know. They yeah. do take a lot of men's. It's very strange now. They accept a lot of men's sneakers, men's streetwear. Like there's a heavy right. market for that on there now. It might be worth looking into depending on what kind of sneakers you find because they do price mm-hmm. up a lot of what I guess you could call common brands. They price them up quite a bit because people are looking for them. But if you want right. to. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay. So I want, we talked about the benefits of selling into in one category or, you know, like you said, you can always niche even further. Like you just said, mm. what types of shoes, like you just mentioned, do you really focus on when you're in the thrift store? Are they like, we know that you, you pick up men's women's, you don't discriminate against what category it's falling into in terms of men's women's mm-hmm. all that. But are there like certain styles that you're always looking for, certain brands you're always looking for, or is it kind of like I walk in and I kind of go with the flow? Um, that's a good question. I, a little bit of both. I kind of go with the flow, but I. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line it's possible complex specialty care that cares about your roi it's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions that's wonder made possible learn more at evernorth.com wonder like i don't spend a lot of time most most of my thrift stores are kind of organized like the boots will be like on the top shelf and then the street street shoes will be on the middle and like everything's kind of organized so i don't spend a lot of time in the boots because like for example with those you kind of got to pick them up and you got to find the brand and you got to feel them to to see if they're like worth money uh as but with like running shoes and athletic shoes i I can just glance at the shelves and see what i'm picking up or at least what i need to check um so again since i'm trying to get in and out of the store as fast as possible i'm always just gravitating towards athletic shoes um just street uh, like casual shoes uh yep. mm-hmm. sa- sandals sell well for me like women's flats do well like that kind of stuff um it's really just boots that i stay away from because like i said my f- photo setup like it doesn't really work because you can't just slap a shoe tree and some boots you got to find like a pool noodle or a cardboard right. thing something to prop them up yeah mm-hmm. yeah and it that's really it like hiking shoes i'm good with that outdoor like crocs I, I, it's really just boots. It's really just boots that I skip over. But if yeah, so like you said, casual, everyday kind of wear or like yeah. athletic type of stuff. Not necessarily like dressy, dressy shoes or something, yeah. right? And yep. Yeah. And if I ever come across something that I don't know, like I see a brand, like you can you can typically feel a shoe and tell if it's worth money. So if if it feels good, if it's made quality, and I don't know the brand, I'll take a second to look that up. But other than that, it's pretty much, I'm just seeing the brands that I sell every single day. I'm checking their condition and moving on. Like, uh, since I put out YouTube content and I wear a GoPro at the thrift mm-hmm. store, there's been plenty of times where people are like, why didn't you pick this shoe up? It's worth $200. And I'm like, I've never seen that shoe before in my life. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, just because there's I There's a lot of brands out there. <laughs> yeah, there's so many and I, yeah. I, you can't know them all. And I just gravitate towards the things that sell for me every single day, Nike, Vans, Converse, et cetera. 
It also yeah, plays like, into your timeline that you have, right? Like you want to get into as many stores that you can. Mm-hmm. So if you sat there and researched every new pair of shoe brand that you yeah. came across, you'd be spending two hours yeah. in a place or more, you know, because you don't know what you're going to come across. Mm-hmm. Um, see, I'm the opposite. I love picking up boots. Boots is like my number <laughs> one seller. I love boots, okay. but I'm also in New England. So, I mean, right. you know, boots are everywhere. There's a lot of boots. There's a lot of boots, <laughs> <laughs> lot of boots out there. Here. <laughs> sneakers, are, I would love to get more into sneakers, but around here, the savers and stuff that we have, the sneakers are usually beat to shit and they're like (laughs) impossible to pick up it's very rare that you find like a really good pair of shoes that don't require a lot of work Mm -hmm. that's my struggle when it comes to sneakers yeah i now that you say that i think the location has a lot to do with that too i probably don't sell a lot of boots because i there's not a lot of good boots at my thrift store yeah because in florida it's so hot nobody's buying (laughs) good boots anybody's buying boots yeah that's a good point i mean you did mention like sandals you know hiking boots you know, more yep. outdoor kind of yep. stuff. So mm-hmm. I think that definitely plays into it. So, so out of curiosity, Dalton, when you're in a thrift store and you're going through it, and I know you're, you've got your method and everything, right? You, I have two, I guess, two questions. You see a shoe, mm-hmm. right? And you're like, Ooh, this feels like something. What, what are you feeling for? What are you looking for? Are you looking at the sole? Are you looking at like feeling if it's like made out of leather or certain types of materials? Because we've talked about like this, Daniela and I, how like as a reseller, right? Sometimes you can go through the racks and you can feel, right? The fabrics and mm-hmm. what feels like a better, better cut or better mm-hmm. fit or better, whatever it is, right? So with shoes, like what is it that you're looking for that makes you stop and think, Ooh, I should probably look this up. That's a, that's another great question. It, it really, it depends on the type of shoe, right? So mm-hmm. if you're finding, uh, when you're asking the question, like dress, like men's dress shoes came to my mind. And one thing that catches my eye every single time, if I see a pair of shoes that looks like they're made of real leather and I pick them up and you flip over and look at the bottom, a good men's shoe, you'll see the stitching around the outside of the sole. Cause it was the, the layers were stitched together and it's not glued together. Um, and if I see that, like some effort went into making that shoe, I better look it up. Um, and then it's also like, my mind went another place, like, cause with different brands, um, I'm trying to think of an example. Like Dance maybe, goes. goes is a good yeah. one. Dance goes is a good one. You, the material, like with the dance goes, um, certain models are going to sell a lot better. Like the, the classic clogs will sell great. But if you pick up like some dance go sandals, they're probably not going to sell for very much money. Right. Um, like Cole Hans, if you find some that are like a nice leather, uh, they're going to do a lot better than some like canvas loafers. It's, it's like, yeah. it's, it's, it's brand specific. It's style specific. There's, it, it just takes time. You got to experience. Up, yeah. You yeah. got to just look up tons of comps on tons of different brands for a while. And eventually it'll just become second nature. Yeah. I literally thought of you yesterday. I was in the thrift store and there was a pair of Colhan leather ankle boots. They were women's mm-hmm. and they were mint. They must've been brand new. I, it doesn't look yeah. like anyone wore them and they were 14 99 and I almost grabbed them. And I second guessed myself because when I think of Colhan, I don't think of it being like, you know, something that's going to sell for, I don't know, 35 plus or whatever. Right. And I'm like, I don't know, what would my shoe seller friends do in the situation? I was like, I bet you they would probably pick them up. And I left them. Mm -hmm. Mm. Did you have gotten (laughs) them? The opposite. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I probably, probably would have picked them up. Well, I'm hoping they're still there because 1499 is kind of like, you know, it's a higher price point in a thrift store to buy a pair of boots. So, I mean, like you said, they're, they were in mint condition. So I were mint. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I, I don't really have a certain number that I try to stick to when I'm thrifting. Like the way I look at it is my time's worth money. So if those boots were, or if I find a pair of dirty shoes that are $7, I'll pick them up. But those same shoes at $14.99, I wouldn't pick them up if they're dirty, but I'd pick them up if they were clean because mm-hmm. I got to put time into cleaning it. Yeah. Yeah. I did yeah. the opposite because I'm like, I have no experience selling this. I don't know. Cause when I think of Kong Han, like mm-hmm. my brain, I'm thinking of like the Kohan flats that I usually find. Like I've never found a pair of leather. I've never sold them. And I've never found a mm-hmm. pair that's, I don't know. I love myself a cool pair of Kohan. I like them for myself. I buy them on Poshmark all the time. <laughs> yeah. I got like four pairs of my closet. They're well, my favorite. I, kind yeah, of. Right. They're good. And they're really expensive new. Mm-hmm. They're they really expensive new. Yeah. They are. This, this is like that whole mindset thing where like my mindset's usually in that mid-tier luxury market. And when I come across these other brands that I know people need every, and buy every single mm-hmm. day, that's where I struggle sometimes because it's like, I, I got to switch my brain. Like, well, this is, and yeah. I think this is why being a shoe seller kind of forces you to be this way, where it's like, this is an everyday shoe that people want. They know this brand. They don't necessarily yeah. know Manolo's, right? right. But they know a right. But they don't care. They don't care. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. just like, I don't need no Manolo's. I need some Clarks. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. I right. need a comfort shoe. Thank you. <laughs> right. Yes. Mm-hmm. It is so oh true. Okay, so no, that's cool. Some of your top brands, name five top men's and five top women's go. Uh, there's a lot of overlap. So, Ooh, okay. I, mean, it, I mean, it's, it's the same brands across men's and women's really. I mean, I got Nike, Converse, Vans, Skechers is in the top five for women. I want to talk about Skechers. Men's. Glad you brought yes. it up. <laughs> um, Vans, if I didn't say it, Adidas. It's, it's literally, you just go outside, like go to a busy park or a busy mm. something. Just look at people's look, feet look at people's feet, look at what they're wearing. Because if you can just go out and like, you can't go out into a busy place, you can, but you're not going to see 10 people wearing golden gooses because the fire pool is so small, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. but you'll go to that same park and 90% of the people will be wearing Nikes. Oh my gosh, Dalton, are you always looking at people's feet? (laughs) I I am. I am because if I start seeing seeing a certain brand pop up a little bit more often, maybe the the market has gone up on them a little bit. So I need to recheck my comps. That's funny. Well, I'm really bad because I, so one of my categories that I love, love, love to sell was jeans. Like that was one of my things. And I did that a lot. So I was constantly, (laughs) my husband would be like, what are you doing? I was constantly checking out people's butts because I'm like, well, I was just trying, I want to see what the jeans are. (laughs) Like what are people wearing? (laughs) Right. I mean, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like market, market research. research. Yeah. Exactly. Market research. That's what you have to say. There's a, a new sneaker. I don't know if it's new, but there's a sneaker brand that I feel like I've been seeing pop up like on websites as well as on people's mm-hmm. feet. And I, I don't know how you pronounce it, but it's V-E-J-A, Vija, Veja. I don't know how you oh, say yeah. it. Veja. Veja. I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah. Veja. I have no idea how to pronounce it, but I found it four times maybe. And it's sold like that for a hundred dollars. I have those. <laughs> oh, do you really <laughs> I do? I have a pair. They're made in Brazil and they're, I think they're vegan leather. I think. Mm. I'm not sure, but they are like my favorite pair of shoes. I wear them all the time. I bought them on Poshmark. Listen, I paid $65 for them, which was a steal. I, no, I, and like didn't bat an eye. And as soon as I run those ones to the ground, I'll be buying myself another pair. Uh, no problem. I think yeah. they're, they're, they're nice. I think yeah. they look amazing. The The branding is minimalistic. It's right up my alley. I've been waiting to find a pair of my size. They look gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Mine I are like, like the way all they look. white, which is perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Those, I those feel are like good ones. Those are 
that's what a lot of the young kids are looking for now. So if, it, if people don't know, mm. that's that's what they yeah. all want. That's the sneaker that they're I all like. Wearing. Oh well, um, thank you, Danielle. Your young kids. influencer <laughs> status there, Jen. Um, let's it. let's talk about Skechers because uh-huh. Skechers fascinates me. First of all, yep. they're on everyone's feet, right? Yep. But now the thrift stores are starting to mark it up. Do, yeah, are your yeah, thrift stores that's... marking it up? Some of them, some yeah. of them are, it, it doesn't make like, there's two brands that they do that with and Skechers and Crocs. Oh, yeah, and they're, Crocs. they're two brands that retail ridiculously low. And my, my area hasn't gotten as bad about Skechers as they have it with Crocs, but it's like every single Goodwill in my area is required to price Crocs at least $14.99. I'm like, you, you can, can go, go to the Crocs outlet new. for $20. Yeah. That's crazy. It makes no sense to me, but yeah. My with Skechers, my thrift stores aren't quite caught on, but every now and then they'll price some Skechers at like $30 for some reason. Skechers is like a cockroach brand to me. They just like <laughs> cling on and they're there. And every time I'm just like, ah, Skechers, that should go out of business. It's like, I don't know how they stay in business. I personally don't know anybody that wears them, but apparently a lot of people are. I'm know. telling you, it is the most common brand that you will see on people's feet if you just start watching people's feet like I it, it's yeah it's up there with nike i would i would not be surprised if you went crazy. somewhere and you see more sketchers than nikes that's crazy talk they, <laughs> they, mimic, crazy. <laughs> but they mimic a lot of styles from yep. nike from hoka from mm-hmm. all of these brands they're mimicking mm-hmm. them they're more affordable so people mm-hmm. and i feel like they have more and more stores now like they didn't have a ton of retail locations like just here in rhode island they opened up a second location there's two of them now we never had a sketcher store here like you went to the outlet if you wanted sketchers you didn't have, we didn't have a store right. yeah. yeah so yeah, now right. there's stores of them and yeah. so more and more people have them so are there specific like if someone's let's say someone wants to start getting into shoes or, and and but they don't really know like okay sketchers but like what should i look for when it comes to sketchers yeah. shape up so this just kidding <laughs> yeah well this is another one that's a hard question i've got asked this question before because uh sketchers is a hard brand to talk about because i can tell people that sketchers is my top five brand and then they'll go to the thrift store and they'll buy sketchers and they'll never sell right because I don't, I don't i don't know what to tell you other than to just know what sells you know what i mean um i can tell you that the sketchers arch fit like if you see on the side of the shoe it says arch fit they are they have good arch support and those will sell for $40 plus shipping. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Skechers Shape Ups, I know it's a joke to, to, to rag on them. <laughs> they sell. If, they do. If you find them in condition, they sell. They do. Um, other than that, you just got to, the ones that look good. There's a lot of Skechers that don't look good. And I know yeah, it's subjective. Yeah, I think of like the I know chunky, it makes no sense. clunky, like, you know, the, the, with like the white soles yes. and the- yep. <laughs> yeah. So those ones is another popular brand. The Skechers D-Lights, if you see those, those are usually worth picking up. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So it's, funny. It, it's a lot of trial and error. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes and, sense. I feel like that would be the same too for all the other brands. Like you had mentioned like Converse and yeah. Nike, Nike and Adidas like, and all that stuff. How do you even start yeah. with Nike? Yeah. Nike and, is so vast. Right. And I mean, same, same with Skechers, I'd say. With But before we move on to, to Nike, yeah. one thing I want to say about Skechers and like any brand for that matter, like I know it's terrible advice to give like a starting reseller to just go to a thrift store and find something and see how it sells without looking up comps. But 
with some shoe brands, you almost have to do that because if you go and find a pair of Skechers and they have a model number on the tag, so it's super easy to look them up and you look them up on eBay, 99% of Skechers, the people that are selling them pre-owned are selling them for like 10, $15, but you've also got to factor in their presentation, their eBay status, I guess, with Mm -hmm. their um, feedback and all that. Right. So, so it's not just about what they're selling for, because I, there's been plenty of times that I've sold a pair of Skechers for $25 plus shipping and all the comps were at 12 to 15. Like there's a lot that goes into it. And it's, it's more than just reading comps, like reading comps is a good place to start, yes. but then you kind of got to get an idea of like why things are selling. Oh, these have uh, relaxed fit memory foam insoles. Okay. Let me, let me see if other models with those insoles are going to sell. Like you, you gotta, it's more than just putting in the repetitions. Like it's not, it's not mm-hmm. just buying shoes, listing shoes. You got to see why shoes are selling. Yeah. You're it's, in good company good. here, Dalton, because we are in the same <laughs> mindset. And then we Perfect. all, and I also think what you had mentioned presentation, you mm-hmm. dictate the value of your item. It doesn't yep. matter what other people within reason, obviously it doesn't matter what other people are pricing things at just because other mm-hmm. people are pricing at 10, $15 or selling it at that doesn't mean that you can't sell at 25 or 30 or even 35. Right. You dictate mm-hmm. that. Right. And, and it, I don't know why this came to my head, but like there's some brands that um, if you have international shipping on, you can sell them for higher than retail. Yeah. Yes. Because I, I think ASICs doesn't ship to Australia. And every time I find some like ASICs gel Kayanos, like a newer model, I always get offers from people in Australia because they don't ship to Australia. So mm-hmm. they'll pay a lot more money That's for some ASICs gel Kayanos. Yeah, you don't know what people I, are looking for. There's a lot that goes for. into pricing. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we kind of touched on it, but I, I want to just kind of go back before we talk about your ideal setup, because I think that's really important as being a shoe mm-hmm. seller. There's very specific setup when it comes to taking your photos and all of that. Um, mm-hmm. I want to talk about your systems that you have in place. And so we clearly know that you have a sourcing system. You have a routine. There's things that you need to do, stores you need to hit up in order to acquire all the inventory that you need. Once you get that inventory in your home, what does that look like for you? What does that sorting and processing piece look like for you? And then storage, because I think storage is the biggest thing that everyone always asks us. And I've even had the question of like, what's the best way to store shoes to eliminate any sort of damage and be easily fine to ship all of that. So I'm really curious to hear your perspective on that. So I, I've had a complete overhaul of how I managed this just this past month. Cause I didn't used to have a apartment to myself. I used to have a roommate, uh, but I just got the whole place to myself as of last month. So I've been sh- switching things up, but it's basically the same. Um, if you see these black tubs back here, yes, um, they hold about 20 to 25 pairs of shoes. Um, so whenever the shoes come in, I'll give them a light sort, like every now and then I'll pick up a pair of uh, white shoes that need um, soaked in OxyClean. And every now and then I'll pick up some shoes that are a little dusty that just need ran through the washing machine. Everything else just needs a light cleaning. So I put them in these uh, tubs. The reason I do that is because if I don't have them um, grouped together, um, like in a tub like that, and they're just scattered across, I will cherry pick. I'm very guilty of that. I'll be like, okay, I want to list these Jordans. I want to list these Air Force Ones. I want to list these on clouds. And then a couple weeks will go by and all I have left is a bunch of crap that I don't want to, I'm not crap because it's a sell. Like I picked it I'm up guilty reason, of it too. You're like, not alone. Yeah. It, it's always like the sketchers and the Heelys and the stuff the things that I don't want to, I don't want to. It's not wanna, as exciting. 
Exactly. So mm -hmm. if I, if I put them in these bins, I can't see that they're bins. Each bin represents one day. I'll pick up a bin of shoes. I'll open it up. I'll clean it. I'll photograph. I'll list it. And then that's it. That's all my day is the next. And then the next day I'll pick up the next bin. So it's, it's just a surprise every day that that works for me. Um, as for the storage of it in my, um, other bedroom over there, I just have shoe racks. I, this is a very controversial topic because they've followed on me plenty of times. I saw the um, video. Yeah. Um, they, they have their downfalls literally, literally, but, um, <laughs> but I just, I can't get around to switching over to a bin system that I, it's just a lot more work. Like I can go in there and like each rack, like I have the, just the standard 10 tier, uh, shoe racks that you can buy on Amazon. Each one is, I have A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I think. And then each shelf is one, two, three, four, five. And then each slot is one, two, three, four, five. So when I have my SKUs, when I go to ship, I need to ship out B, 10, six. So I just go to B, 10, six, pull it out and it's ready to ship. Shipping takes me no time because of that. And I feel like if they were in bins, you know, I'd be opening lids, I'd be shuffling through things. You can't really mm -hmm. just, you can't just look at it and see. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But again, they're, they're not super sturdy. I, I have drilled them into the wall using anchors and then everything zip tire and um, there's stability on the uh, sides. Like, I think it's good now. I was going to say, has um, it fallen again? But it has not fallen again. It's, <laughs> okay, good. it's super, I, I don't think it will. If yeah. you're going to do it, find a way to secure it to the wall Yeah. and um, you'll be solid but that's how I store them. And that's how I yeah. uh, manage them when they get in. Yeah. And then yeah. those will just go in a closet. And then tomorrow morning, I'll just grab one. I'll clean it. I'll photograph it. I'll list it, put it on the shelves. That's yeah, a really I feel like shoes have to be out. Yeah. Like, you just can't, you can't do the bins. I know I've made the mistake of throwing things at least in the beginning, you know, like in uh -huh. bins and then like you go to pull them out and they're all bent, yep. you know, cause they get squished. Thing. Yep. Yeah. I, mm -hmm. Yep. Leather transfer, leather piece <gasps> going on a patent leather. Oh piece. yeah. Oh, it's happened. Cause when you're new, you don't know, yeah. you don't know the difference. Right. You learn these things as you go. I like the system that you have where you dump the stuff into those bins. You're like, okay, today we're going to work on this bin and we're going to photograph everything mm -hmm. because yeah. I think we're you know, not good. alone in saying this is that you pick and choose what it is that you want to list when you see it on a rack or you see it on the ground, wherever it is, you're going to pick and choose what it is. The thing that excites you the most is what you're going to list immediately. We've all been yep. that, in that situation where you leave the thrift store and you're so excited to list literally every piece that you get. Like that doesn't happen every day, but when right. it does, you're like, I'm listing everything as soon as I get home. And then like, not every day is like that. So you have to force yourself. Yep. Yep. And another, another great thing about uh, putting them in the bins like that. Um, I always have a, like a listing goal of how many I want to list every single day. Mm -hmm. And um, currently I'm listing 15. I'm slowly trying to transition to 20. I have this weird thing with these off numbers. Like I need, I want to jump from 15 to 20. For some reason, my brain won't let me jump from 15 to 17. Um, <laughs> but the reason, the reason I like having these bins is I can put um, 18 or 22 shoes in the bin and I don't sit there and count. And like, mm -hmm. I won't wake up in the morning and be like, okay, my listing goal for today is 15. Let me find 15 shoes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If I just, if I focus on listing a bin, 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's 18 pairs of shoes in the top bin. So that means I'm going to list my 15 and then I'm going to put three in my drafts. drafts, So the next day that comes along where I can't do something, every single day I'm putting one, five, three, four Mm -hmm. listings in my draft bank. Mm -hmm. And so if I want to take a day off, I just publish the drafts. Yeah. So So that's an easy way to stay on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's an easy way to stay on top of that. Very good tip, Dalton, because I think so many people struggle with like, I mean, you have a lot of people in our community that are moms and they have, you know, they've got things to do with their children or they work full time or whatever it is. Having a draft bank is crucial, especially if you're full time. It's crucial. So if you're able to list 15 plus three, that plus three just sits there. And then maybe the next day you Mm -hmm. list another five and then you just, you know, you leave that in there and eventually you have you could come you could have a week's worth of stuff sitting there waiting so you can take some time off. Exactly. Yeah. So, so important. All right. So now we know how you do things. Now, what does your shoe setup look like when you're photographing? Because I know every shoe reseller has a very specific setup when they photograph their shoes. Yeah. Um, I don't think the one thing that a lot of people focus on is the background. And I think it's the least important thing that there is. Um, you don't need to take pictures on a white background. You don't need to take pictures on a wood background. You don't need to take pictures on a yoga mat. It's just find something that is a solid color. That's not distracting. And that's fine. All that matters is your lighting. Mm-hmm. Um, and lighting doesn't have to be expensive. Um, if you want to get big soft boxes, they work great. But I still to this day just use clamp lamps with light bulbs in them. Mm-hmm. And I have three of those surrounding my photo setup. I use a wood background. Um, I've been I've been putting off. The next thing I need to do is make a lazy Susan. I bought the parts for that. So instead of picking the shoes up and turning them, I can just turn the lazy Susan. Mm-hmm. Um, I recommend that if, uh, you, you want to do that, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. Um, so just wood background, the three clamp lamps I bought, um, and then the clamp lamps, I just clamp them on some, uh, camera tripods that I got a goodwill. Um, but then I also have these two little led lights that I bought on Amazon. I was just seeing how they'd work. Um, and they weren't that great. So I, you don't need to get something fancy like that. I only have them on there. It's the number one thing that people ask me about whenever I post a video of me taking pictures. Like, what are the little lights on the side? I'm like, you don't need them. <laughs> Just get the <laughs> clamp lamps with some daylight bulbs, and that's fine. Try to minimize the shadows. Um, I I'm not a fan of using Photo Room. A lot of people are into that. I don't I don't love the way it makes shoes look, but that's a personal preference. My shoes don't rank in Google apparently, and your Photo Room photos will rank in Google. But yes and no. That's how I do things. Right. Yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, they, they can, but I will say from someone I, I have used, I will use photo room for my clothing pictures in turn, like, but I edit them afterwards because photo room mm-hmm. takes away a lot of the contrasting colors because of the way that yeah. it's designed. So if, I mean, if you're going to Photoshop everything, you don't have to worry about any of this, but that's mm-hmm. most people are not Photoshopping. Um, right. 
if you're going to use photo room, you do need something else to bring the color back to the piece. I just bought really nice yeah. lights and I, and I generally do not have to edit my photos unless the sun's coming in weird, like, you know, because I don't really have a shoe set up. Um, I, I do want to buy one of those lazy Susans or, or create ones. I've seen so many sellers have those now. I'm like, that's genius. My hands mm. will never be in the picture. I just have to turn it. That's great. Right. It's fantastic. Right. I love uh, that. Another thing that came to my mind whenever you were talking about editing photos, uh, my, I want to say, uh, side hustle network just posted a reel today that it was just a reel of them listing. And above it, it said done is better than perfect or mm-hmm. not perfect or something. Yeah. And that is 100% my philosophy with, uh, photographing. I, the photos don't have to be perfect. They just need to be done. And yeah. it's the same, it's the same, um, mindset as when I said, I want to open as many thrift store doors every single day. I just want to photograph as many shoes as I can as fast as possible every single day. I don't, I don't want to have to edit them. I don't, I don't care if everything's perfect. It just needs to show what shoe is for sale Mm -hmm. and make sure it's not blurry. Make sure it's in focus, make sure the lighting's good, but no reason to edit. No, none of that. Just photograph as many as possible and get them up. You can blame the Poshmark community for that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because Uh, it's a Poshmark thing eBay is yeah. completely yeah, make, make make every single photo look like a Instagram. Everything's going to be perfect. Right? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. That's a Poshmark right. thing. Go on any other platform. <laughs> not the case. It's not there. Wait, yep. so Dalton, you don't use like a white furry rug or anything? I'm just kidding. I mean, when I first started, I had a white furry rug, a little fake plant. Um, oh, look I, at I, you. I paired every single pair of shoes with a nice pair of jeans. Nice. Just so you can have an idea of what, what the outfit is. Of what it looks like. Right. Yep. But so. then I got a few return requests because jeans. So I, you know, I had to stop. False advertising, <laughs> man. Way to go, Dalton. <laughs> um, okay. I want to branch away a little bit from shoes. And I want to talk uh, about how the reselling community has just brought so many opportunities to you. And first of all, with the local sellers that you've been able to connect with and become friendly mm-hmm. with and form these relationships with, and, and they've kind of helped you along the way as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how important is that to you as a seller to form these connections with people that are local and just have that ability to network and source with someone or bounce ideas off of someone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so as a seller, it's... It doesn't matter at all, but from a mental health perspective, it's mm-hmm. huge because if you do this full time, you're not going into an office, you're not going into a job, you're not interacting with people. And you know how people are in public. Like when you go to the thrift store, you're not talking to people right. unless you go out of your way to do it. So with, because of the community that there is with reselling, like Drew thrifts and flips, mm-hmm. one of the people that I source with, source with all the time, I wouldn't have been friends with him if he didn't just randomly DM me one day because of the community that there is around reselling on Instagram and on YouTube. And I've met so many people, all of my, literally all of my friends, every single one of them I've met through reselling. Mm -hmm. So just having the the community aspect, you don't need followers. You just need to show up. Like if there's lives on YouTube, or if you have people that you like on Instagram, like it doesn't matter how many followers there have, just DM them, say, what's up. Like you never know what friendships you're going to, you're going to make. And those friendships can be lifelong. And so sourcing true. with someone it it's not you know it's not the the smartest business practice because i got to give away half the stuff we buy but 
it's just nice having somebody to talk to the entire day and just like mm -hmm. bounce ideas off yeah. of and mm -hmm. it's, someone who actually understands fun. like you're crazy <laughs> exactly as as i'm sure many resellers know like if you go to a normal people event you got nothing to talk about like nobody <laughs> right? everybody thinks we're selling garbage mm -hmm. and we're just digging through trash day and you yep. just, you, you, you close up because nobody wants to talk about it. So having friends that do things that you do that have the same interest, it's, it's huge. Yes. Or get excited over the same things you do. Exactly. So you're like, oh my God, yes. look at this like pair of yes. like shoes that I found in the trash. And mm. we're just like, oh, I'm so excited <laughs> for you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Jen and I met through reselling and, um, Jen was full-time at, at during yes. when, when we met and um she was well you weren't that new to new england but you were i mean you were fairly new to new england at, the, at that time weren't you like a couple maybe i had been there for about a year or yeah. so so yeah. she didn't really know mm -hmm. anyone and i was brand new to the reselling community and we just kind of like you know we just meshed and we became she's one of my best friends now you know and she lives across the country now which is a different story <laughs> i moved back to california so. <laughs> um but most that of my true, friends most people that i talk to on a daily basis are resellers mm -hmm. i don't really talk yeah. to my other friends anymore because i don't really have much to talk to them about like i still stay in touch with them but i'm not talking to them as much as i do my offense yeah 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 same here same here. Sometimes I don't even talk to my mom because I'm so busy <laughs> reselling. Just kidding. I talk to my mom See, every day, but <laughs> my mom's got a little bit of the reseller blood in her. She, Ooh. her and my dad have this, like uh, this auction habit. Uh, like I said, they own a restaurant, so yeah. they like to mainly flip uh, restaurant equipment. So they'll go to restaurant options, nice. auctions, and nice. they'll buy things to sell. So they got a little bit of that in them. So I can talk to them about it sometimes. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so I'm lucky there. But yeah. 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 I drag my mom nice to the thrift store sometimes I'm like, mom, you want to come with me? And she's like, sure. <laughs> like she has no idea. None, but she did find yeah, me a purse right. one. She's like, is this good? Do, will you sell this? Yes. <laughs> I do. Like that. that is fun <laughs> when you bring non-reseller people with you. They're like shouting from across the thrift store. Hey, is this good? You're like, okay. Stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. YouTube. Let's talk about YouTube. What made you want to get into YouTube? Was it like something that just like sparked in you? Like, I want to create content or was it, I want to share things. Like, what was it for you that made mm -hmm. you start YouTube? It's a good question. No one's, no one's asked me. Um, ah, the, I love it. The, <laughs> the, the, the place that my head went, like it was never, obviously there's, there's tons of pros. Like I love sharing things with people. There's mm -hmm. so many people that have like messaged me. Like, I didn't know about this brand and you showed me. Um, and it wasn't even about like wanting to make the first person thrifting, but I, I don't know. Like I've always like in my mind wanted to be a YouTuber. If that may, I know that's super corny and I, every no, it's kid not because that's that. why I did it. Uh, <laughs> right. Right. Like, but I, I just remember like thinking like, in, in high school and like outside of high school, like what could I make videos about? But I never did because like, I never found something that like made mm -hmm. sense to make a bunch of videos about. Mm -hmm. And so like literally like back, back to my friend Carlos that took me to Ross and then we got into garage selling, like immediately after we started garage selling, like we started recording the garage sales, like we were making videos about it. And it wasn't to try to like, I, I don't know. I like with my YouTube videos, like I don't, it's not obviously the goal is to like grow the channel as big as possible, but it's just 
I kind of have a passion for like making the content. Like, I don't care if it's like a carousel for Instagram or a five second video or a 30 minute long thrifting video. It's just, I, that's fun to me. Like that, that'll get me out of bed in the morning. Whereas cleaning shoes and photographing shoes won't. Um, I, so I guess it's just in me. I just yeah. want to do it. Creative it's outlet. a creative yep. outlet. And I yep. think and you, you need to have, you need to have that when, because no matter what reselling is your full-time job and full-time jobs become mm -hmm. mundane because it's the same right. thing you have to do every single, no matter what job it is, you're doing the same thing almost every single day to, to get the mm -hmm. income that you need, right. To get a paycheck right. at the end of it, whatever, which, mm -hmm. whatever the paycheck looks like. And uh, creating content is, is just, it's, it's fun. If you enjoy doing mm -hmm. it, it's a lot of work. Don't get me mm -hmm. wrong. Mm -hmm. Creating content yeah. is a lot of work, whether it's audio or video, or it all requires time and, and the growth of it is slower than some other things because the communities are just, they're bigger and there's more people out mm -hmm. there and you have to capture all that. But what I think what Jen and I enjoy so much about your content is that it's different than other reseller content. And I think that's what makes you stand out in the reseller community because anyone can post a haul. Anyone can post a what sold video or anything like that. Mm -hmm. That's not I mean, it's great because I do it too, but there's always, there's something different about the way that you present the content and you can tell that there's a, a labor mm. of love that goes behind that because you take extra care and attention mm. in your lighting, in the way that you're talking to the camera, mm. the way you're presenting the footage. Like yeah. I think like that doesn't go unnoticed. Even I, the narrative too, I, too, Dalton, the way that you, you even talk about like, you're, you're almost like talking about what you're thinking right mm. about like okay like this is you know we're gonna go here but this is why we want to go here this is why i do this this is you know and, and and i think that that is very appreciated because like daniela said people can always just show you like here's a shirt here's another shirt here's a pair of pants mm. or whatever and like great yeah we all like those late you know see those labels but when you're explaining your process mm. that is always i think very much appreciated i that, that means a lot i really appreciate that because that I do try to put a lot of effort into putting out things and like, there's, there's a big difference between hearing that and just getting a like. So that, that, that really humbles me. It means so much um, because well, that, like, they're, they're like, you're right. Like when you look at any other um, like form of content, like any other, any other niche in the content space, like there's always a reason certain people stand out. Like you can tell their content creator first, whatever their niche is second. Mm -hmm. And there's nobody that, does like because that's me that's that's literally me I my brain is content first reselling second even though like my actions uh, like are reselling first because that pays my bills but like right. in my head it's just like what kind of content can I make of whatever I just made today and like you said like with the carousels that I post on Instagram like I sure I could just take a picture of everything I picked up and say 57 shoe haul this is what I got but I want to make a beautiful easy to look at carousel and swipe through like for the highlights, like why I picked it up, show some comps. Like I want people to not only learn from my content, but it, to be easily digestible. Mm -hmm. And if it's mm -hmm. like a, a video, like I want the video to be attractive. Like I want, if it's telling a story, like I want that story to be clear. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it, it's, it's takes up a lot of my time and I take pride in it. So I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> of course. And it also, so I think this is where people get discouraged, right? In, in YouTube and all that, because you can put so much time and effort in it and you don't necessarily mm. grow at the, at the mm. pace that you would like to grow at. But my philosophy behind that is mm, as long as your community really likes what you're putting out and they're watching your videos, 
That's all that mm-hmm. really matters. Like the growth yeah. will come eventually. Some video at some point will hit a viral number and you'll get the subscribers and all of that. But the slow growth and really putting your time and energy into creating meaningful content is more important to mm-hmm. me personally. And it sounds like it's important to you too. than just pumping mm-hmm. out a bunch of videos just to get the subscriber and watch hours. Right. Yeah. If it's, if it's just for the subscriber and watch hours, I, it's going to be a lot harder for you to hit your goals. When I look at it, it's, I just want to do better than my last video. Yep. And like you can, and when you have that mindset, it's hard because it took me a while to start putting out videos because I have a little bit of that perfectionist in me. Like I can, I can picture something, but then I can't realize it. Like even today, like if I have a video that I have in mind, I can record it. I can do all the right things. But then when I get into Premiere Pro or whatever it is I'm editing mm-hmm. in, like I, I just can't actualize it, but maybe I can the next time. Or maybe I'll pick up on a, like, I didn't record this right. Let me do it better the next time. Mm-hmm. Like my focus isn't about, I need a viral video to get me to a hundred thousand subscribers. Like, I just, I just want to, like, I want to start, I want to get to the point where when I picture a, a video in my head or a carousel on Instagram that I can execute it perfectly. Mm-hmm. And the only way that you can get to that is if you only compete against your last video or your last picture. Mm-hmm. That's a really good mindset I think to have. Yeah. Mm-hmm especially in the YouTube world, because it's tough. And the reselling YouTube world has just grown so much over the last couple of years. And there's so many great people on there too, but there are certain people that always stick out and you're one of them. So I'm, I'm, we really mean that. that. We're not just saying that we really, truly mean that. And then you had touched upon the things you do on Instagram. I love your reels on Instagram because a, usually they're funny or they, they, they've got something to it. That's mm-hmm. like comedic. I, I do. I do appreciate the humor. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But you also have really great teachable ones where like, you're actually sitting down and it's like, all right, listen, this mm-hmm. is what we're going to talk about today. Cause this is something that I've experienced and I want to share it with all of you kind of thing, you know? And I mm-hmm. think it's, it's nice to have that healthy mix of both, but I think people feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And you've developed that community where people feel comfortable to like come to you and like, hey, Dalton, I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Like in the recent video that you just posted where that man approached you in the thrift store asking about eBay returns and do you have yours on? Mm-hmm. Do you not have yours on? You know, like people feel comfortable coming up to you and talking to you. And I think that's definitely something that you convey very nicely on your Instagram as well. Yeah. I mean, I try to, of course. Yeah. I know it's hard sometimes. Sometimes it's like, do I just yeah. post a photo and call it a day? Or do I really just sit down and like think <laughs> through, you know, or do I just not post yeah. anything at all? Because I just don't feel yeah. like it. it's a hard yeah. balance. And, and when you're interacting with people, it's like, do I tell them the answer or do I yes. like tell them why the answer is the answer? It's just, yes. you know, yes. there's it's a lot like, that goes into it. It is. And you don't want to be labeled a certain way. Like, well, Daniela said it this way, but she's doing the complete mm-hmm. opposite. It's like, well, it also depends on the day and what I'm going through. Like, I can't, like right. the advice that we give is in that present moment in time, but it might change tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yep. Scroll, scroll back on my Instagram a couple of years and the advice is going to be a lot different. <laughs> oh, exactly. oh, yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Things change, right? And yeah. in, in this, especially in this industry right here, I mean, it's like no two seasons are the same. 
So it's like, you're constantly having to evolve, constantly having to change, change the way that you look at your business, change what you're picking up. Even if it's like six months ago, it was something that you were super excited about. It's that's not the case anymore, you know? So, you know, I always tell people, yeah, take the advice with a grain of salt and always remember variables can always change. (laughs) This content is for informational purposes. We always know this content that we're spewing out to you today is just for entertainment Entertainment. purposes only. (laughs) That's it. Uh, this is not the law. I like how uh, law you, I watch a lot of law YouTubes. I think it's just fascinating to just watch them. And when they talk sometimes and they always say like, this is not legal advice, please do not take this as legal <laughs> advice. This is kind of the same thing. Um, okay. I know we've kept you on here for so long, but we could literally talk to you for hours because you're, you're, you're great. Um, I want to talk about the new product that you just launched. Shoe trees. Mm-hmm. Let's Shoe talk trees. a bit. What made yeah. you do this? Uh-huh. Um, so first off, I mean, the, the, it was just obvious. I don't know why it took so long to hit me. Um, these are shoe trees. You put them inside shoes to photograph them. Anybody that's watching does not know. Um, it, it was an obvious product that took me way too long to, uh, to realize because when you put out content, you get the same handful of questions all the time. Mm -hmm. And I had the exact same question. Like when I first started reselling, it's like, what do people put inside their shoes when they take pictures of them? Like, where can I find them? And that's the number one question that I get. And so I was like, why don't I just start selling them? Yeah. <laughs> because uh, with so many people DMing me about them and like, there's a bunch of crappy ones out there. Like, I'm sure you guys know of the, like the, the dollar Ikea shoe trees. Yeah. Luckily, <laughs> luckily for me, Ikea discontinued them like a couple months ago. Oh, nice. Oh, good. <laughs> so a nice little, nice little boost for me, but like they, they break on you after a couple dozen pairs. Like I, I came up with the idea to sell this like probably last October mm-hmm. and I just got them in today because I had so many different, um, models come into me mm. and I wanted to get them right. And I wanted to get ones that are, are going to last long. And like, for example, the connection on these mm-hmm. where the spring meets it, like a lot of them that's where they break is in here. So okay. I want to make sure I had one where it's like built into it. And mm. like, I, like with Ikea ones, I could pull this off. I'm not going to pull this off. Uh-huh. Like, ah. This thing this thing's going to last a long time. Like the back of it, I wanted to make sure it was smooth so you can mm-hmm. get it in and out of shoes without mm-hmm. having to like bend it first. Cause I'm sure, you know, some of them are like kind of hooked yep. and yep. they'll get caught on the heel of the shoe. Yep. So I just, I don't know my, my passion for the longest time. Like you can, like, I've talked to my dad about this for like two years now. It's like, I, I love selling shoes, but like, I want to sell something that's mine. Like I want to market something that's mine. Yeah. Like the shoe, the shoes aren't mine. And it just, it feels so good to have something that's finally mine and mm-hmm. my logo on it mm-hmm. um i think it serves an amazing purpose like it's i first off i don't think that anybody else has the small ones on the market like i don't know where else you could buy these like that's so cool to me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, i'm just i love it and so if anybody needs some shoe trees um dealing with dalton.com uh pick up one two three if you sell on whatnot and you want a shoe tree for every single one of your shoes during your life, I have them bundles of 50 and get a crazy deal. Like whatever you want, nice. I got you. And nice. I can talk about these things forever. So I'll, I'll cut it off. No, no I love it. See, that's that entrepreneurial Listen, I bought a pair. I bought the, I bought both <laughs> the large and the small. And I can't wait for that to come in. I'm actually yep. like waiting to photograph some shoes until they come in so uh, that I can use I them. That. 
I am. I I'm excited that. for that. Of course. Like, I'm excited. Like the, the feeling of a Shopify chishing. Oh, it's way different. Crazy. Right. It's just crazy. I, <laughs> I can't get over it. Like the, the eBay chiching is cool, but like I made a website. I put mm-hmm. my logo on something and people are buying it. It's just, yes. that's awesome. I can't get over it, it. That is awesome. And it will but be see, so that is, again, well how received. You are evolving your business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it will absolutely. be so well received in the community. It's a tool that people will always need in the reselling mm-hmm. community. It's like resellers, exactly. reselling is going anywhere. Resellers are going anywhere. Right. And who knows right. those shoe trees, if some retailer boutique or something sees them could reach out to you, Dalton and say, Hey, hey you we never need know. Them. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I hope that happens because I have 4,000 sets of shoe trees <laughs> in my patio closet. So <laughs> if you're a retailer or a boutique and you need some shoe trees, call me. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's awesome. I mean, why not? Why not, you know, have a tool, a reselling tool that someone who is like you, who is an expert and understands what it takes to photograph a shoe, you know, to make it look nice or whatever it is presentable, Mm -hmm. like working with an expert to get those tools to help you to elevate your look and, you know, and, 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 you know, your, because I mean, I'll be honest with you, whenever you see shoes and they're just like all squished up and everything, like that's an immediate turn off. Yep. Yeah. Like wah, wah, wah. Yep. Like just like, no way. But just like throwing in that shoe tree in there and, and even for your own personal shoes, people, I use shoes trees. For oh, I use them. Listen, I, I'm right there with you. I mean, if you throw some shoe trees in a pair of shoes after you wear them, like if you went on a run, throw some shoe trees in there, dealing with Dalton.com, they will air out a lot faster. They will remove scent. Like it's not going to remove scent, but it's going to minimize the, the stench. You know, what I mean? yeah. there you go. Thank you, feet. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. Everything will be linked in the show notes. So you guys can check that out. Um, before we kind of wrap up here, I want to talk about your girlfriend, Carly, and what she just did, because mm-hmm. I think it's so great that she's branched out and now has this booth. So why don't you talk yeah. about that? Some people oh, might not know who Carly I- is. I'd love to. Yeah. Uh, Carly, my girlfriend, she, she goes by style by Carly on Instagram. And I, I can't even express how proud I am of her because she did something that like a lot of people, especially our age, don't think to do. And she opened up an antique booth um, for her. She sells a lot of like uh, vintage glassware and uh, just vintage pieces that I know absolutely nothing about, but she'll just walk through a thrift store and be like, Oh, this is nice. This fits my aesthetic. Um, And (laughs) she, we, we went to like, well, she's gone to probably countless antique malls and she lives on the West coast of Florida. And there's one in the East coast of Florida, which Florida's not a huge state, but that's still about like a three and a half hour drive from her. Wow. Uh, we found, we found one that is amazing. Like their, their social media presence is on it. They have an amazing system to where like she can just go to their website and type in what she has and they'll print out these barcodes and oh, like, wow. it's just it's so sophisticated uh, from like the vision that I had of antique malls, because of course I don't shop at a lot of antique malls, but I I do now. (laughs) I do now, but um, uh, she stepped out of her comfort zone. She opened up a a booth. We've been slowly filling that thing up and uh, we, we put in new flooring, some uh, new paint on the walls. Like it, it's, there's a lot more that goes into that type of selling than just listing something. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's already paying off because like, like she just has a vision for the way she wants things to look. And if it looked different, the things wouldn't sell, but because she she organized it, she curated it and it just looks so amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, Her her stuff is selling like crazy. I I couldn't believe it. We set it up and she didn't have any furniture. So we literally just went in with a 
uh, one shelf. It's a 10 by 10 area, but we just went in with one shelf, one little bookcase. Like it was, it was so empty, but it looked really good. Mm. And the first day she made like three cells. Well, the first few days she made like three cells and it was stuff like, like candlestick holders and these old yeah. coffee mugs. And I'm just <laughs> like, like, you can't just throw that stuff over the internet. You got to like put it in a, in a, mm area that looks yep. good yeah. good presentation yep. and people are just being like, I need that and she's right. she's so good at it so if anybody's in like the um where is it even at <laughs> Melbourne Florida <laughs> okay. if anybody's in Melbourne Florida um it's called Antiques and Uniques you can look them up on Instagram uh Facebook um she's booth G10 her Instagram is Azalea Vintage Collection uh you can go through styled by Carly if that's easier to find it's in her bio um, she's killing it. I'm so proud of her. Awesome. That's so cool. I admire people that go into and start doing these vintage booths and stuff. I just, it's, you do need to have a certain aesthetic for it too. I do agree. Yes. I think mm. that's how you sell your pieces because otherwise mm. it's just another mug on the internet, you know, like it's what's right. so mm. special about it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's great. Super happy for her. That's amazing. 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 All right. Mm-hmm. Before we go, Dalton, we're going to close out. And what is one piece of advice that you would give to someone who wants to get into full-time reselling, whether it's shoes, whatever it is they want to get into, but they want to get into full-time reselling. What's that one piece of advice that you want to get them to motivate them to take that step? I know I talk a lot about finding like niching down, but if you've never, if you've never done it, you just started going to a thrift store or maybe go to some garage sales or go to an auction and just play around with everything. Like don't just, don't just focus on people that are doing it on YouTube and Instagram, go do it yourself. And don't worry about finding a niche. Don't find Don't worry about doing everything perfect. Even like turn off the turn, turn off the Instagram and YouTubers and just, and just do it. Like figure out how to look up comps, do it, figure out if it's something you actually enjoy, because there's a lot of like romanticizing around reselling right now. And it's, you know, it's work, it's work, but it's a lot of fun. It, it creates a, a lot of freedom. If you do it properly, um, don't, don't focus, like, don't feel like you have to take a certain person's advice. Don't feel like you have to only sell shoes, just go out and try to have some fun with it and find something that you actually enjoy doing. Cause that's, that's all that matters. Nice. I love Wise that. words. Wise really great words. advice. Dalton. <laughs> Thank you, Dalton, for coming mm-hmm. on Thrifters Villa. Thank you for spending some time with us today. This was great. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. We did, that's for sure. We had a lot of fun. <laughs> um, we but did. we will be back next week, guys, with a deep dive history lesson, I guess you could say. We're going to be talking mm-hmm. about Calvin Klein, the designer. We're going to break down his history what he kind of became known for, what his journey looked like, and where Calvin Klein is today, because I don't think people actually know where he's at today. I don't think they actually understand. Well, you're going to learn next week. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone. We will talk to you guys next time. Bye.